name's Farrell. That's right. Master Sergeant Farrell. Master Sergeant Farrell, you're an American. No, sir. I'm from Kentucky. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Captain America, then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a Kentucky boy, and uh, I'm, I'm assuming that I would have closer ties to Captain America than you, since you are not a native uh, speaker of, uh, I don't know, Kentucky, for sure. Right. Um, but as we you're, were talking... You're Captain Kentucky. Captain Kentucky. I'm a... Uh, first podcaster. First podcaster, um, but I'm still underneath Bill Paxton's command, his orders. <laughs> Um, right, Ma- Master Sergeant. Uh-huh. We were talking, and you uh, you said you were certainly more familiar with the 1990 version, which we're going to be talking about today, than I was, because this was a first time watch for me. Um, hmm. I don't know, I don't even know if I had access to it before. Like, I don't think I've ever seen it, like on VHS, uh, even when I was a kid, which I, I would have been all over this uh, because I would have. It. I think anyone who was into comic books. Like back in the day, no matter how bad the movie was, would have been excited just because it was a rare occurrence to even see a live action version of our superheroes on screen. And now it's uh, kids. I don't think kids are ever going to understand that going forward, since there's you know twenty comic book movies every year now. But uh, tell me about your uh, your experience with this, and uh, also who the hell's in this one? Who, who I, I thought I saw Helen Mirren, but that couldn't have been Helen Mirren for like two seconds in this movie. Uh, you know what? I I I might have missed that part to be honest with you. Uh, this movie, funny enough, I we used to own it on VHS, and I don't remember how a copy. I don't know if it was a project copy or one of those things that we allegedly uh, rented from one of the video stores. You know that kind of thing, or maybe it was just something on TV and we recorded it. I I really don't remember. But this movie, I remembered watching it. Um. You know, good amount of time as a kid, and it being like one of my first early superhero movies. This and uh, the Superman movies, and obviously, you know, you had your uh, Batman and possibly uh, Returns might have already been out. I'm not sure, but this movie. Was, well, I think you're right and wrong. I think it was originally supposed to come out after the first Batman. It was scheduled for 19. 19- 90, which was the 50th anniversary of Captain America as a character, mm. but didn't make its way out into the world until 92 or 93 because it never got the theatrical release. It went straight to video and uh, TV. So by the time it came out, I guess it was after Batman Returns had hit. But I noticed on the IMDb poster for it, it said like coming to theaters everywhere in April and they had just the shield. So it looked very much like they were trying to you know, coast off of what Burton had done with Batman, just even in the marketing, just having like the symbol as the as the poster. Yeah, it, it must have been 1990s because I remembered uh, when Forever Young came out with Mel Gibson. Did you ever catch that movie? I have not. I, I have seen the box art, and I remember he looked beautiful on that. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely, he did. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was also in there and Elijah Wood, uh, which was one of his very first early movies. Well, tell me if this rings a bell to you, but um, I think Mel Gibson played like a a pilot of some sort who uh, gets chronologic cry, cry cryogenically frozen. Is that is that is that the oh, wording? So he was the original Captain America. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, he gets put into a warehouse, which I forget what happens to the warehouse. And then one day, Elijah Wood and friend goes around playing and finds this big <laughs> refrigerator and uh, opens it up and awakens Mel Gibson. You know, and he spends the rest of his time trying to figure out what has happened to his life and all the people that knew about this project. Not so, the most secure project, it sounds like. No, no, I, I guess not. Um, so I, I, I remembered, you know, because of that and uh, its similarities to Forever Young. I've always kind of, I, I never thought the uh, original 1990 com- Captain America was really that bad. Uh, but uh, you know, kind of going back and rewatching it, and uh, obviously being spoiled with all the, you know, the updated uh, releases and such, it, it's kind of a harder watch, I would say. But this uh, 1990 movie. Directed by an Albert Payan. Uh, I'm a kind of guess that's how you say his name. It stars uh, Matt Salinger, which we've, I, I think it was on this podcast that we might have discussed in a previous episode where he uh, is the son of the author. Is it Jay? Help me out with the initials here. The, the Catcher in the Rye author. JD Salinger? That's is it son? JD? Yeah, that's his son. Wow. I thought we talked about that before. No, no. You're that confusing me with you? your. Uh... One of your thousand of other podcasts <laughs> that you host. Uh, actually, you're the one who's now like hosting on a bunch of uh, different podcasts. I'm competing with you, basically. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but this is his son. Yeah, and it also has a uh, Ronnie Cox, you know, who was in your uh, original RoboCop and kind of plays the bad guy in a lot of movies. But this one, he is the the president, uh, President Kimball. That is uh, Scott Pollan, who plays. Uh, the, the Red Skull. I, I'm not even going to pr- try to pronounce his uh, Italian name, which they <laughs> they changed the uh, the. It's not German. Uh, he he's Italian in this one. Ned Beatty, who we know as Otis from the Superman movies, is a uh, Sam in, uh, Sam in here. Um, Francesca Neri plays. Uh, is she like a, some sort of scientist or a mob mob crime family person? Valentina DeSantis. I'm going to be honest with you here. Um... On watching this, I, I kind of enjoyed its simplicity. Um, maybe I was being a bit too simple and not paying close enough attention to details. I don't think they matter, but <laughs> okay. it seems like it's just like good guy or bad guy. Got and it. That, that's about it. The the only uh, other name uh, of note here is Kim Gillingham, who plays uh, Bernie Stewart, who's his uh, uh, girlfriend from from the 1940s, and uh, also she plays Sharon. Uh, who is the daughter of Bernice, and they don't outright say it, but it's Sharon Carter. You know, they mm-hmm. changed the names, I guess. So it's it's Stewart uh, in this universe here, and you know, it doesn't stray too far from the 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 um, the source material, I guess. You know, Captain America gets frozen in World War Two, and then uh, you know comes gets unfrozen in 1990 and saves the president or something. Well, I think that's where we're going to get into our main differences with how mm-hmm. comic book films now are approached. Because in the first Avenger version, which I'm assuming for most people will be the only version they want to count as cap on on big screen. 
stars uh, Chris Evans as uh, our main hero, Steve Rogers. And uh, unlike the 1990 version, he's not necessarily the best uh, subject for this experiment. He's not uh, like an elite soldier or athlete. Um, he's the skinny guy. He's And they even have Chris Evans, like his face, sort of Benjamin Buttons, like superimposed on uh, this little body for, uh, I don't know, uh, the first third of the film, for the most part, is uh, Captain America before he even really sees any action, uh, both in the experiment uh, experimental phase and also just as a symbol uh, sort of inspiring the troops or not inspiring the troops as we'll see in the film. Uh, Hugo Weaving, uh, we do have the Red Skull. We have uh, Cap's main nemesis here. I would say that you get just about the same amount of Red Skull uh, in both say. versions. They just mm-hmm. they kind of flip it. Um, in the 1990 version, uh, we see more of the Red Skull initially and then... Uh, like once we go into uh, present day, not so much. He's just he looks more just kind of like an ugly Dick Tracy character at <laughs> that point. I like that. Yeah. Um and obviously we have uh Tommy Lee Jones uh playing I would basically say Tommy, Tommy Lee, Lee Jones. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's playing gruff and manly, uh training up uh, Cap uh and he gets uh he gets some of uh you know, some other sidekicks, uh, the sort of the, the howling commandos here. Mm-hmm. Um, a very diverse cast there. Diverse cast, which uh, is both good and bad because uh, for my money, uh, I could have had a whole movie of him and his uh, his gang uh, going mm-hmm. on adventure. And it's it's like if you're a comic book fan, you, you kind of like you nod and you appreciate that. But uh, I uh, I wasn't in as much of a rush to get Captain America back to the present. But that doesn't happen until the very end of First Avenger and then leads into Winter Soldier. Uh, what did you think of the 1990 version uh, pretty much doing all of the First Avenger business in the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes? Like, and then we're in present day again? See, that that's where actually um, why I do like the the first Avenger, just because uh, I, I'm actually a, a fan of period movies. And so with the uh, the newer version taking place mainly in the you know 1940s, uh, I, I actually enjoyed that. And I even thought it was very clever how they even came up with his his uh, his costume. You know, I, I really dig the look of that there. Coming and, up with like a real reason for him to be like kind of putting on a production. Like, I mean, a silly, you know, stars and stripes sort of uh, symbol to, to be on stage. Not to <laughs> not a costume to go out and kick ass, at least initially. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought about that. It, it could have been something where like him and Howard Stark were button heads. He's like, I'll show you. Let, let me... Let me make you something uh, really nice and discreet and camouflagey, and mm-hmm. out comes this red, white, and blue thing. Uh, you know, it's it works for its time. Uh, you know, in the nineteen forties, they, they wouldn't have thought of it uh, really being uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, it's not very tactical. You know, it, <laughs> it, it it's more of a symbol. You know, and it's more a, of a onesie, a comfortable yeah, onesie to lounge around sure, the house. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I really dig how, like, you know, just in comparing the costumes, like the the uh, the the mid area of the the nineteen ninety version, 
it, it looks like some kind of like a pullover and you just wear it around your waist, I guess, you know, <laughs> where it's the white and red stripe. Whereas the, the new one, it's, it's like, um, some type of, uh, co- coveralls kind of, right? Where it's like, uh, strap like a red strap that goes over the white uh the mid area so why wow, you really, you really I, I just thought it was a, a very here. neat look yeah. i did i did um i i really dug it like i remember seeing the very first concept of the first avenger costume i was just like wow i, I was just blown away you know and i i, I was very um, glad that they even went with like what was it brown boots as well mm-hmm. like they didn't even try to give them blue boots you know it, it just made sense it, it looked very like it, it could have been issued by the government you know um see i always yeah. thought that the captain america costume as a comic book fan was gonna be one of the harder ones to put on screen because when you you know if you see anyone doing cosplay at like a comic-con i, I always tend to think that the cap one looks the worst out of all the heroes like i've seen you know, dudes dress up as, like, the Flash or Green Lantern or something, which, I mean, obviously you look silly in bright red or bright green. But there's something about the Captain America suit that I don't know just was, like, the dorkiest. And so... Is it the wings on, on, on the, the The wings the don't help. Yeah, the wings yeah. definitely... Um, the big, A. <laughs> the big old white A. <laughs> yeah, I which know. I like the explanation of the, you know, the, the first Avenger. You know, he, he just grabs one. Yeah. You know, uh, grabs a, oh, I'm sorry, a helmet from one of the the uh, female performers, you know, like the USA mm-hmm. and he grabs the A helmet. So I, I dug that, you know, it, it was clever, you know, a little cheesy, but it, it was clever on how he gets the A. So they explain all of that, you know, so, so I, I really like, I really appreciate the detail going into explaining us and uh, allowing the, you know, the audience to kind of accept like, okay, this, this is why it, it will work. Um, well, it's interesting because with both films, they're playing to the fans in a way. Uh, with the 1990 version, uh, they're just speeding through everything as if you already know who Captain America is. And like when he's reintroduced into you know sort of our modern world, uh, Ned Beatty's just driving along, and here comes Captain America running across the field like in bright <laughs> blue, being shot at by Nazis, of course. Um, and with the first Avenger. They do a better job of grounding it, doing a true origin film. Uh, but as I said, with the the commandos and um, certainly like the, I think I think the shield uh, is a nod to mm-hmm. the fans. Like the way, even in that opening uh, chase sequence when he first gets his powers, how he grabs like a um, like there's a trash can lid or a door, like a door off a of like a car, I think that he, he uses to like shield himself before he actually has a shield. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's those little touches where if you are a fan of Captain America, uh, or maybe even if you've just seen the trailer, you sort of like nod and you, they, they point you in the right direction. Uh, which, you know, which approach do you like better as far as like, um, making, uh, a film about an icon, say a Superman or a Batman, where they they really go through the whole origin, or one where they speed it up. Because we've we've kind of seen that both ways with Batman, in particular, with the Tim Burton 1989 Batman. They do speed up the process, like he's already Batman, like right. he appears, and then Batman Begins. You you see that whole training sequence of how he and how he decides to become Batman. Do you think they can both work, or is there just one that you think is better for these uh, comic book films? Gosh, I, I think th- th- this is a tough one for me to answer because I want to say that they both can work, but I think we've all 
kind of um, gotten to that point where since there's just so many comic book movies, it's just like, you know, let's just skip the, the origin story and let's, let's just get right into it. The, this character ha- has already been established, you know, like uh, Deadpool, you know, that came out and I was very surprised to, to see uh, how much of it was explaining how Deadpool, you know, came to be. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we only spent like, um, spend a lot of time on three different locations, you know, and that one, like on the bridge, uh, at the bar with T.J. Miller, and then also at the end, you know, the the fight scene. That's that's all I remember. Certainly all- done uh, on the cheap. Uh, oh sure. Compared to Civil War, Batman or Superman, obviously Deadpool's not a cheap independent film, but yeah, you can tell where they didn't have quite the budget to go as big as uh, what Marvel and DC is doing. Yeah, but and and with this one, in I, I want to say. Be because the first event was still one of the the earlier Marvel movies that that it was fine here. I really did enjoy us, you know, getting to learn about uh, Steve Rogers. You know, the the man who is um he just doesn't like bullies, right? You know, I I really dig that line. There is one of my favorite lines in the movie, and not gonna you know, give up in a fight either. No matter no no how much he's outmatched. Exactly, and and then like when he becomes. You know, beefy Steve Rogers there. Woof, that man. Uh, and and then like his display of like his powers. I really like that. You know, when he's running after the thug or whatever, and then he's like uh, going so fast that he he can't stop himself because of his momentum. You know, we we don't get a lot of that from the 1990 version at all. Like even when he's brought into the 1990 version, it's about him and this president who he has to save. I mean, we get a montage of the president. Yeah, of of this man being like a war hero in you know the Vietnam era, ultimately becoming president and and saving him from this crime family. It is doesn't you know uh, it's not about Steve Rogers or even really ca- about Captain America later on. I think that's a, a good point because it seems like the 1990 version is saying, okay, we know that you're a fan of Captain America. Uh, the character's been around for decades, and so he's just an icon. He's just a symbol of something, and we're not really going to explain what that symbol is because there's plenty of material for you to say that. And plus, his name is Captain America, and he's just stoic and just the, the rock, and he's going to protect the you know the assets of our country. In this case, the president, the ultimate asset. But the first Avenger does a great job of explaining to what you were saying about the character of Steve Rogers and what it is about him that makes him Captain America, that makes him the right guy to be that icon, to be that symbol. And I really like how they use uh, Stanley Tucci in the first Avenger uh, mm. for that, in the sort of selection process where he's talking about, you know, what happens when uh, a man who's used to like sort of wielding power just gets more like he, he doesn't really recognize what he can do with that power. Cause it's always been at his fingertips and someone like Steve would know, what it's like to be powerless and to, to have to sort of scrap and and really just use your, your will and your character to get out of a situation. So uh, that is entirely missing in the 1990 version. It is yeah. – uh, I would say that the Steve Rogers character is very bland and not interesting in the slightest in that, that film version. Yeah, and just to add to uh, more of his character, you know, one of my favorite scenes – in the in the first Avenger is when uh, during training Steve jumps on 
you know, a grenade, you know, which was not live. But he didn't know that, you know, it was part of the training Mm -hmm. where you had the one guy who, you know, passes the eye test that he would be the one fit. He kind of cowards out on it. Right. You know, and you got little uh, skinny Steve here that jumps on. He's like, is is this part of training? You know, and so he was the the first to to kind of sacrifice himself. You know, that's the guy that you want for this symbol. This uh, version of Steve Rogers, uh, if he was in Training Day, if he was Ethan Hawke's character, we wouldn't. <laughs> here, here we go, Training Day, Training Day again. <laughs> the, you know, for those those strange uh, super fans, uh, they know that I like to bring up Training Day as often as possible in the original <laughs> remake. My point being, though, uh, Steve Rogers would uh, not allow us to have that great film because if he got in that car with Denzel Washington, he would say, "I don't think this is above board, and I'm not going to participate in this." He would he would he would pass his training day uh, and then we would get to a confrontation with Denzel uh, much quicker. Um, So in that instance, I'm going to say I would prefer the 1990 version of Mm. Steve Rogers in the car with Denzel Washington, because I think he would just kind of stare ahead blankly and wait until he gets shot at. And then he would just, you know, fist fight them. That would be it. But uh, yeah, the 1990 version, it kind of treats Captain America as just like a big lug. Like he's not. He's not a big, like, thinking individual. And it was funny to watch. Um, there was a, a similar instance with both versions of of, of Cap dealing with uh, what era he's in when he actually comes to present day and he's unfrozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1990 version, Ned Beatty has picked him up in his car, as I said, racing across the field from Nazis. And he's looking um, – I think he's looking at maybe a recorder, tape recorder or something he has. And it says like, you know, made in Japan. And he's looking at the the car he's driving and it's like, a, I think it's a Volkswagen. So it's like, it's made in Germany. And, mm-hmm. and so old cap, uh, old rape racist cap. <laughs> will have none of it. <laughs> thinks we're still in wartime. Thinks that Ned Beatty is a spy. So he like, it's funny though, because he doesn't like use brute force or just like, uh, directly um, start to, I guess, uh, take control of the situation with uh, Ned Beatty. He, does, he just said he fakes being sick to get out of the car to get him to pull over. And then he just runs around, you know, Ned Beatty, who's not the fastest. throw up, yeah. And, and, and steals his car. And I'm like, that is not the way the Chris Evans version <laughs> of Steve Rogers would handle it. Because at the very end of First Avengers, they attempt to do something else. Nick Fury... Uh, after they've pulled him out of the ice, he wakes up. And I thought it was a really cool moment because uh, they don't necessarily tell the audience right off that we've entered present day. Uh, but Steve, they've got the, a radio playing of a baseball game. And he right. recognizes that it was a game that he actually attended. So this is a past event. So he thinks that it's, you know, the, it's uh, Hydra or the Nazis who have captured him and are trying to trick him. I just thought that was cool that both films actually did that. But yet again, I preferred the uh, first Avenger version because he just immediately calls him out because he's, oh, yeah. he's ready. To, mm-hmm. He's ready to go. He's ready. To, I think he runs through a damn wall to get out there. So, uh, yeah, I don't, the, I don't um, know about the 1990 version being a car thief. I don't I don't like him. Captain America being a carjacker. It, this is a little embarrassing. And this kind of, I guess it kind of speaks to uh, the kind of person I am or maybe the kid that I was. But I didn't understand that scene. You know, I was like, he's sick. Like, why is he running off the car all of a sudden? <laughs> I, I didn't understand that. He was being fooled. I didn't understand that scene. He's really got to get to know? a doctor. He's yeah, really no- nauseous. And he's concerned without, without his, his help. <laughs> <laughs> no time yeah. for you, Ned Beatty. Sorry. <laughs> it's your uh, 
I do want to see some kind of like fan edit, you know, with the first Avenger mixed with the training day, you know, where Denzel's like, King Kong ain't got shit on me. And then you, you cut to, to Captain America's like, I, hey, I get that reference, you know, pulled from, uh, That's pretty good, Avengers. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can make that work in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it via audio. That, that would be easy. Well, yeah, let, let's see if YouTube can help me out there because I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to, you know, rip my first Avengers Blu-ray and then find the scene. So hopefully YouTube's got me, got me on that. Yeah. Um, what What do you think of? You talked a little bit about you know the the first Avenger being it's one of the I guess the phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it's the next to last. I didn't realize that when I was watching it again. For some reason, I thought that the Thor movie. I had it in my mind that Thor came after cap but Hmm. this this one was right after thor uh because i actually yet again for for no real reason other than i just wanted to be a completist for the pot this podcast uh fast forward to see what the post-credit scene was and all it was was basically like a little teaser for avengers i was like oh so this was like the like the only marvel movie that year like summer 2011 and uh it it, de- it definitely feels kind of old fashioned that way. Like the Marvel movies now are so complicated, and there's so many different pieces that kind of are shared between the different uh, solo films. I mean, even this latest Captain America film, Civil War, is basically Avengers 2.5. Like mm-hmm. it is, it's and for a lot of people, you know, including myself, it's the Avengers two we should have gotten because I was not a fan of Age of Ultron. This is a better Avengers movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it felt quaint. I like it actually like even though it's just 2016, this one to me felt almost as old as the 1990 version as far as like wow, these Marvel movies used to be really simple. Like it was just one character and he just had an adventure like during a great war and mm-hmm. I, I actually really liked going back and rewatching it. I don't remember even being that big of a fan when it came out, but now I think it appeals to me more just because the Marvel movies are so big. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, but the one thing I do, um, I guess have to give credit to like the Avenger movies is that they they do a really good job with balancing out you know all the all the characters. Um, but I I do see what you mean. You know they, I think that's why I, that's why I think it's it is just oversaturated now with with a bunch of characters how do you go back to that time you know um do you have to just come up with newer characters that don't have their movies yet you know with like doctor strange uh as far as i know there there are no other uh heroes that are going to be in that one right is that connected somehow i don't think so um i mean i'm sure it will be but uh uh they certainly with uh i guess spoiler alert slightly for civil war they didn't really put anything that's con- leading into Dr. Strange in, in that film, which, you know, that it wouldn't really have its place there. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, when I was saying earlier that I, I would have liked to have seen more of Cap and his squad, like, uh, doing missions, like sort of an old fashioned, you know, mission impossible type setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still feel like, uh, in the rush to get him in present day that there was, you know, some cool action, and a cool action movie to be had was just Cap in wartime uh, mm-hmm. before he became Avenger, before he was trying to catch up with the rest of the world. And uh, it's interesting to, to me that 
with the uh, you know the the nineteen ninety film, it never not, you know I don't even think that as recently until Marvel did it in two thousand eight. Any of those times as a fan that you were thinking of seeing like a Spider Man movie or a Hulk movie, uh, you never really dreamed that like all the films would be together. Like every every film was the possibility of just a new Captain America adventure. Uh, is that something you wish that Marvel would get back to? Is not necessarily having everything lead to one big you know Avengers gathering, but maybe just building to like a new say Captain America trilogy or something something like. Uh, Nolan did with the Dark Knight, where it was just a Batman trilogy. Yeah, I that that's kind of what I'm hoping with uh, with the Spider Man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is a spoiler, but uh, you know, I think everyone has seen him in the trailer for Civil War. So when he comes out with his own movie, I hope that um, you know the extent of that would be you know a cameo by Tony Stark, which uh, I think has already been announced that Robert Downey Jr. will make an appearance. Uh, in, in that movie, I, I could be wrong. I, I don't try to read into that stuff. I, I remember, I, at least I think I saw, you know, like a tweet or a post or something to that effect. Um, They're really good together in Civil War. Like that's, I, 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 I do like it. Moments. Yeah, I do like it. But would it work between Spider-Man and Iron Man? You know, I, I, I like them out, outside of their, you know, costumes and uniforms. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'd work. Um, but I, I can't see Robert Downey Jr. playing second fiddle, you know, in, in a Spider-Man movie. Um, Pay him enough. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, uh, uh, you know, he's clearly hurting for money, you know. Um, but, yeah, th- that's what I'm hoping with the Spider-Man, you know, movie with the yes in parentheses, right? I, I don't know how many there's going to be. I, I, I would hope that they don't try to do that where they're going to start dropping in a bunch of cameos. You know, I want that to kind of... Uh, go back to how things were, where it would just be the the, the one character, you know, per movie. Uh, I think those were a little bit more enjoyable because, you know, if you miss one of those movies, now you don't feel like you have to watch that for like the the big meetup, you know, in a few movies later on down the road. That's that's one of the things there. Um, you know, I uh, you know I, I think a lot of a lot of people have seen Civil Civil War over this past weekend, you know, which we're recording after. The release of it, and you know, I've been listening to uh, you know uh, our fellow uh, podcast network here. You know, shout out to Hiro and Barry. Uh, I, I checked out their podcast, and Hiro was talking about how you know there were some details in the Winter Soldier that he had forgotten, and so like, yeah, we should not have that. We need to remember uh, every detail of every movie to to enjoy. You know the the next big thing, you know. So I, I kind of wish that it would go back to like the the standalones that where they're not all connected because they they may not enjoy the movie as much because now they're uh, missing out on some of the details, you know, the continuity. Yeah, that? yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I feel like the other thing to, and I'm I'm a proponent of that, but just to play devil's advocate, yeah, the thing when you're watching the 1990 version. Um, or even going back to something that's far more successful, like say Burton's Batman films, uh, they they also kind of do a little bit like First Avenger as far as they they rush through things. Like you know, for instance, I, I can't see a movie now where they would kill the Joker the first film they introduce him. Like Joker's done, like off the table. We're gonna make some Batman movies and he's gone. Uh, same thing with the Penguin. And Batman Returns, uh, as far as like, okay, we had our one adventure there. 
1990 Captain America doesn't have anything that great, like because they are on a completely different level than even Bartman's Batman films. Mm-hmm. But it feels, it does just feel very trite. And in a certain way, that's kind of fun because it's so weird to see a superhero film where Captain America is like hanging out in someone's living room, like look at their scrapbooks to like for his investigation process. Like it is so low budget that it's almost funny how Captain America sort of goes about this adventure. Uh, but I, I think it's an extreme case, like, because I wouldn't want it to be so solo where it just feels like we're watching Captain America walk down the streets of California. Uh, and then suddenly a fist fight happens <laughs> with a Nazi. Like there's, there's so little build up to anything that's connected that, uh, I, I guess there has to be some sort of happy medium. And so for the purposes yeah. of this podcast, we were looking at two different extremes. One where they were just like, well, I guess we should make a Captain America movie because Batman made a lot of money. So what do we got versus First Avenger, which came at the end of phase one of Marvel's big master plan, like 10 year plan, which now it's going to be even longer. Uh, and, and so it's just interesting to see uh, one where it's it's like watching like a garage band versus like, I don't know, like you two play like an arena tour with like, you know, a million dollar light show backing them up. So um, I don't know. Somewhere in the middle is, is what I'd like to see. But for the purposes of this podcast, uh, I'm not going to be that guy that's saying the 1990 version is better than First Avenger because I don't think it's anywhere close. But there's something that's kind of charming about it. It was it was fun to watch for this show. Okay, you know, you know, maybe not so much of a a solo character. You know, give us give us a a buddy movie. You know, give me. Give me Captain America and Falcon. You know, give Man, me Falcon's good. He's I love Anthony Mackie as as Falcon. I, I love Tupac. Well, I just I think that the way him and uh, Chris Evans play it, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm kind of I don't I never really get that from Don Cheadle and Robert Downey Jr. Like maybe it's because Cheadle came in like later, came in in mm-hmm. the second film. But right. I just feel like even from you know Winter Soldier, like immediately I felt like uh, Evans and Mackie had like a good rapport with each other. Like they actually seem like friends and uh, yeah, I could definitely watch that, that buddy movie probably more so than Ant-Man and Wasp, which I think is the first buddy movie they've got coming up. I think that's coming down the line in two years. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, to, to add to the, uh, you know, the winter soldier, that, that buddy movie, um, I, I bought that, you know, being a veteran myself, you know, you can share a few stories with a, a fellow veteran and you guys are, you know, click like like you guys been friends for a long time. There's got camaraderie, you know, uh, I, mean, I that think explains why you're even listening to true bromance. I mean, yeah. I, if, I mean, because otherwise I don't know how you could stand it. Listen, to those guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it's that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that. uh you know, hey, remember back when we used to do that? So I can be like, yes, I might have a, a story that relates to that too. <laughs> you know, that that could be it. Uh, but no, th- th- there is definitely a special bond be- between you know, uh, you know, your your fo- fellow brother in arms. Um, so that, that's why I do like that uh, chemistry between them two. Uh, I, I really buy it. You know, and and also what you said about the, the whole, whole Don Cheadle thing. You know, it's the Elizabeth Shue in Back to the Future Part Two, right? I'm just not a big fan of uh, recasts. I w- I wonder. Is there a show where you've talked about Back to the Future before? Uh, yeah, a few times, actually. Uh, my show, Hydrate Level 4, which you can find at followingfilms.com. And what's that show about? 
Uh, not about Back to the Future. Um, it, 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 we do take a look back at some of the movies, you know, from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and, um, you know, just basically we take a nostalgic look back to see these movies, uh, you know, if they're still good. You know, so we, uh, I have guests come on, you've come on a, a number of times, and, um, you know, I do some new releases here and there as well, but, that's pretty much the premise of the show. I don't have a regular co-host, but a uh, rotating, um, you know, recurring guest that uh, that do like coming on. And with that premise, uh, you're, you're the expert here. Does the 1990 version of Captain America hold up at all? Does it retain any sort of entertainment value? Like, could you oh, have, could you show this though. to your <laughs> could you show it to your son? And what would he say to you when you said, "Hey, I used to really dig this." Yeah, I think I'd only show it to him if he was grounded. I go, I'm going to punish you a little bit more <laughs> by making you watch this. No, the movie's pretty bad. It's not as good as I remember, but um, yeah, I feel the scenes here and there. Uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 not good. Let me it's tell you not worth the watch. Hmm. That I don't think they would do now. Okay, uh, I don't think in our current climate they would have uh, because the nation is so divided politically. I don't think they could have like a presidential character, even if they don't name what party he was affiliated with. I don't think they could have the president and cap like uh, punching Nazis together or punching terrorists. I just don't mm. don't see that happening. Um, in fact, it it made me think how jaded I am with sort of modern adventure films, I guess, uh, not necessarily even action films. That when the president was first introduced and was like talking on the screen, I thought, oh, he's going to be some sort of, he's like a part of Hydra. That's going to be the big reveal that he's, he's a villain like this entire time. And Ronnie Cox, I can see why you'd think that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. So yeah, there was something to just, you know, that guy appearing there. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't like him. I've seen him before and I don't, I don't care for that man. But um, yeah, I, I thought like now they just wouldn't leave it at something as simple as the president is like captured. And then they start like, you know, going back to back roadhouse style, like Swayze. And you, you mean like in, um, Olympus has fallen or I, I wouldn't, maybe not that movie, but the other one, white house down, something like white that. house down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sort of that. That's, you get a little bit of that element here and, uh, maybe it's not trying to be as comic as white house down was, uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that the president was good. I enjoyed that he, he respected Cap and Captain America respected him. And uh, he he inspires the nation again. And they play uh, they play much better music in this than they do First Avengers. So that's uh, that's uh, that the, the really hokey sort of like uh, I guess it would have been dad rock for that time. Like it was, <laughs> I don't know. I what have it no was. idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, dad rock now is. Uh, uh, like Foo Fighters or something. It's like oh, okay. uh, people who you know grew up with their their bands in the '90s and now have children. So they, they Google, call it, Google dolls. I don't know if they actually get to wear the dad rock belt. I don't. I don't hmm. know if dads even claim them. I don't know. Maybe that that might be more like mom rock. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just really like their song Iris. That's, that's well, it. yeah. Every, everybody does, but you know, no one. <laughs> No one admits to it, Peter. Come on, like you gotta <laughs> did, yeah. keep your street cred. Um, I'm gonna keep my street cred over on War Machine versus War Horse, which you can uh, find on also on FollowingFilms.com. Uh, 
Twitter at War Machine Horse. That show we look at a new release and that inspires inspires a conversation about two older films with a similar theme, but different approaches. And we did not do a Civil War uh, episode, but I did talk about it on another following film show on Pop Culture Case Study with Dave. Yeah, and great uh, listen, definitely yeah. go check that out. Uh, but we have uh, talked about uh, uh, military uh, movies before uh, with my good friend Peter here uh sitting across from me in Hello. Uh, Portland on the <laughs> Skype connection uh for our American Sniper episodes. If you want to go way back into the the archives, we did uh in the Valley of Ella and Jarhead, I believe. So there's that, our That also had uh, Tommy Lee Jones. There you go. So that yeah. that should be I should repost that as our Captain America sort of episode this week. There you go. Should should we at least say where people can find original remake? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's add that in there too. <laughs> Peter, where so, can we find this show, the one we're on right now? Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Uh, just type in uh, Original Remake. And also, we are on Twitter uh, at Original Remake. And if you want to send us some uh, suggestions and pairings, you can send that to OriginalRemakePod at gmail.com. <laughs> I want to say, I know you know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me.